Bibles tonight. And um, if you remember last week, we started talking about developing your child's gifts, and we used the story of Daniel. And so you can turn over to Daniel chapter 1. We're going to get to that um, in, a, in a few things that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, but Daniel chapter 1, we used to talk about the fact that we need to determine the priority of character. We said that Daniel was a gifted young man. We said that he was a guided young man. And so, yes, he had gifts, but it was the character that his parents gave him that helped him uh, to stand firm in the Word of God with those gifts that he was given. And so we talked about a lot of different things under that, and then we said that uh, number two is to discover the spiritual aptitudes. How do we do that? By observing. We have to intentionally look for those things that our children have and then we have to develop those things. And the second way that we can discover those spiritual aptitudes is by applauding. And we talk about this a decent amount. Um, the fact that we need to look for things that they're doing that are not just wrong so we can punish them, but things that are right so we can praise them and we can help them to develop those things that are right. So what I want to talk about tonight, and we're only going to talk about this one point, uh, is to develop natural gifts. So we, we, certainly the spiritual gifts are the most important. We want them to be first, but then how do you develop those natural gifts? Keep your finger there in Daniel. Maybe put a bookmark in there because we're going to come back to it. Um, and maybe I, I could have had you turn there a little bit later um, because we're going to turn to a few different passages before we get to Daniel. But go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. God has given every child natural talents and capabilities. Some have more than others. In fact, I was just talking about this. Uh, in fact, I think Brian and I were talking about it. How is it, you know, some of these guys, um, some of these guys that make it to the NFL, you know, and here they are, they're having to decide, man, am I going to sign a contract with the M NFL or the MLB, you know? I mean, most people are just happy that they finally get somebody to, to notice them somewhere on a, on, a, on a sports field. But these guys, you know, who was it that we were talking about that, that also had Terry Bradshaw? That's right. Terry Bradshaw was a football player, obviously recorded some, uh, well, not CDs, they were records back in the day. Uh, I didn't even know that he sang, but, but sure enough, Terry Bradshaw actually has recorded albums of him singing, you know, that, that he sold and everything else. And it's like, how is it that this guy is good at football? He's probably good at every other sport that he's ever tried. You know, most of them are, are really gifted golfers, and he's got this ability to sing well enough that he's actually recorded, you know? Uh, so it's obvious that some people have more talents than others. And, and look, you know, somebody that's going to get into the NFL, yes, hard work does it and all that kind of stuff. But if you don't have natural ability in football, I don't care how hard you work, you're not making it to the NFL. It's just the way that it is, you know. So some people have better uh, talents and abilities than others, but our kids have them in some way or other. And, and we should begin encouraging with character, um, but it's important for parents to also help their children develop their God-given natural abilities. Some might be in music. And if that's the case, then we ought to be developing those because they can use that for God's glory in a church service. Uh, some might be in any, you know, in any number of things, and we have to develop those so that they can use those God-given abilities to serve God later on. And if, we, if all we're doing is focusing on the spiritual and we don't develop those natural gifts, they can be the most spiritual people in the world, but they're not going to use the gifts and the talents that God gave them in the way that God intends them to use that. And yes, they could get to adulthood and realize, man, I, I, I can do this and I've never developed it and develop it then, but they can be a whole lot more effective if we help them to develop it as they're growing up. It's God who has given your child that, that talent and cultivating that talent is going to give him the opportunity to serve God in the future. So it's our responsibility as parents. Now, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 16 says this, a man's gift maketh room for him 
and bringeth him before great men. A man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Now, what is that saying? Obviously, God gave those gifts. God gives those abilities. And when you have those abilities, that gives you a platform. It gives you an opportunity to go before people that somebody that does not have that gift would not be able to go before. And that's a tremendous thing to be able to do. So like we talked about before, Daniel had a very impressive set of natural gifts. And we're going to look at that a little bit later on. But it was his character that protected his life from the misuse of those gifts. And it was also his character that brought those gifts to the point of usability. Um, Raw talent can only bring a person so far. Uh, Usually just far enough to make a fool out of themselves is usually where that goes. Um, but talent developed through that, that persistent diligence can open some tremendous doors for them to be able to be useful in God's service uh, and to give them great opportunities for, for, for God-honoring success. And that's what we want for our children. That's what we're talking about. So there are a lot of areas of natural gifting, but in a big picture sense, I think they can, divided, they can be divided into three categories. So we're going to look at those categories and how we can help our children to develop those tonight. And the first one is in creative gifts. Creative gifts. Turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Our God is a very creative God. All you have to do is go out and look at a sunrise or go out and look at a sunset or see a rainbow in the sky or anything like that. And, and the creativity of, of our God is the fingerprint of God on our children. Um, creative gifts come in a lot of shapes and sizes. They're expressed in, in just a, a huge variety of ways. But... Um, I think there's some tremendous examples that we have throughout Scripture of some people who had creative abilities that developed those and were able to use those God-given abilities um, for, God's, for God's glory. In the area of music, and this is a creative gift, uh, David had skill in playing the harp, and he, he was so skilled in playing the harp that he was actually able to quiet Saul's spirit through that, and, and God used that. We see that in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 23 came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that, God took in, uh, that David took in harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. So I, I mentioned this as an example earlier, but d- does your child have, a, have an aptitude for music? That's a creative gift that God gave them. We ought to be doing what we can to encourage and to develop that. And I understand Putting somebody through uh, piano lessons and, and music lessons and things like that can get kind of expensive. Um, but for the character and the talent that they develop, they, they pay incredible, incredible dividends. They, they bring great enjoyment uh, as that gift is developed. Um, maybe I should say after that gift is developed. Have you ever sat there and listened to three kids practice the piano one right after another when you're trying to do something in the house? doesn't go so well, and it's not very enjoyable at the moment. But that is helping them develop those talents for God's glory. And I love it when the kids, you know, any of these kids can, can come up and play the piano and, uh, you know, do that as, a, as an offertory and all of those things. That's just developing that talent for God's glory. Now, here's something that's actually really interesting as well. Turn over to Exodus chapter 35. Maybe you've never seen this story or never noticed this story before, but I, I think this is just such a tremendous story here in Exodus So we have the area of music. That's a creative gift. I think in the area of art, art is a creative gift. And and I'm not necessarily talking about the modern art that we see nowadays, but um, there are art 
forms that are different than just painting a picture on a wall or something like But have you ever been into a, a kid's nursery or something like that and seen a beautiful painting on the wall that somebody that in the, you know, in the church was able to paint or uh, you know, just a nice mural that they were able to paint or something like that that kind of depicts what their theme is for the year or something like that? I mean, those are creative, God-given talents in art. But in Exodus chapter 35, we see Bezalel. He had a very astonishing skill in detailed... Uh, intricate work. And Bezalel also had the, 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 uh, the ability to teach others and to work well with others on a team. And that was another skill. To, uh, um, you know, that's two skills that gifted people don't always possess. But look at this story of Bezalel. Exodus chapter 35 and verse 30. And Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he hath filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, and to devise curious works, to work in gold, and in silver, and in brass, and in the cutting of stones, to set them, and in the carving of wood, to make any manner of cunning work. And he hath put in his heart that he may teach both he and Aholiab, the son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan. Them hath he filled with wisdom of heart to work in all manner of work of the engraver, and of the cunning workman, and of the embroiderer in blue and in purple and in scarlet and in fine linen and of the weaver, even of them that do any work and of those that devise cunning work. You think about this. This, this auditorium is a perfect example of that, right? And, you know, I'm not saying that, I mean, Brother Bill is great with his hands and, and was a tremendous help as far as doing all of this work in here. The guys that came down from Hunt Valley and did all that work, Brian and Josh and everybody else that helped us out with that. I mean, that's all God giving them the abilities to work in art. That's what this is. I mean, we don't consider it art, but that's exactly what it is. And God gives those abilities. And, you know, there are some who would say, well, a pastor ought never to do anything other than preach and pray and, and that's it. But if God, you know, God gives me the abilities to do some work with wood, I mean, look how much money we saved the church by being able to do all of this work ourselves. You know, and not to mention all the ladies that came in and helped paint and everything else. I mean, those are God-given abilities, and we ought to develop those abilities to be able to use them for God's glory. You know, I mean, look at, look at what we were able to accomplish. I, I would venture to say that we probably saved about forty to $50,000 while we were working on this building by doing all of this work ourselves. And that's God giving those people that helped out with that the abilities to work and to do those things. And... That's, that's something that, look, if, if we can develop those things in our children, that's something that they can be a tremendous help to the work of God later on, right? I'm the only one here that's, that's considered to be a full-time, in full-time Christian work. No, nobody else that came in and helped on this building was part of that. And yet God gave every one of you the ability to work in art forms to be able to make this building what it is. We get so many compliments on this building for the way that it looks, but... Exodus chapter 35 there uh, just details the, the, uh, the, uh, the abilities that God gave Bezalel. And obviously, he developed those gifts to be able to work in, in gold and silver and brass and wood and stones and all of those things. And so, um, that's, that just, we ought to develop those things in our children when we can. So, with the creative gifts, we see music, we see art. Turn over to 2 Samuel 23. Here's another one where we're talking about David, but in literature, literature, uh, we see every penman of the Bible whose skill God used to give us his inspired word, right? 
Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's how the Bible was written, right? And yes, uh, God gives them the words to say, but had they not developed those talents and the abilities in the area of writing, God probably would not have been able to use them the way that he wanted to use them in writing the word of God, right? They knew just how to say it. And, and, and yes, God wrote it, but God used every one of their own particular styles of writing to be able to have them write the Bible. Look, we're not given the author of Hebrews, are we? But most people consider Paul, the Apostle Paul, to be the writer of Hebrews because he had his own style, and you can tell that the book of Hebrews is written in Paul's style of writing, right? God used that because they developed those gifts. Uh, David, for instance, he was a gifted writer. He wrote great poetry, a lot of the Psalms. Uh, he was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. You know how many of the 150 Psalms David wrote? Anybody know? 75. David wrote 75 of the 150 psalms. That's, that, I mean, that's, there's some beautiful, beautiful psalms that people use for comfort and strength and all kinds of stuff, right? The Bible says in 2 Samuel 23 and verse 1, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesus, uh, Jesse, <laughs> Jesus. David, the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of, of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The ability, the ability to write clearly, the ability to motivate people into action for Jesus Christ, it, it takes practice and training. And if you have a child with an aptitude in this area, number one, reading does a lot for that uh, to give them the ability to write. But number two, practicing, you know, and, and letting them write and work on things. And, hey, let's change this. Let's change that. Let's do this. Uh, I love to write. And um, I, I, I didn't see it as a blessing at the time, but I do now. I taught English for 10 years, um, high school level English in two or three different classes a year. I got to know the English language and the English rules very well. And that served me very well in writing. Um, and that's, um, that's one of the things that we can develop in our children too. I'll tell you one thing that there's a, a huge lack of in Christianity, and that's solid books that are being written. You know, um, we want to criticize all of, the, all of the literature that's out there, but then no Christians are writing, you know? There's a lack of that, and a lot of it's because they just don't know how to write, you know? And I'm, and I'm, not, you know, I'm, not, I'm not criticizing homeschool by any stretch, but most of them, you know, most of the uh, uh, Christians nowadays, because of the condition of the public schools and everything else, are growing up in homes where writing is not made a priority, and so they grow up and they have no idea how to write, you know? Uh, and that's a shame because we need good books. Uh, the problem with many of these books, even that are well-written today, are they all use different versions of the Bible. Uh, and obviously your doctrine is going to be completely changed when you're using a different version because things that are different cannot be the same. And we're, we're, we're lacking in that area. So if we can train our children, if they have an aptitude to be able to write, we ought to be doing that. Another example is in construction, and we kind of talked about that already, but look at the abilities that God gave Solomon, right? He developed those abilities, and then he built the temple, one of the greatest works of, of uh, constructive art ever. Not to mention the fact that Jesus himself was a carpenter, right? Uh, he learned how to be a carpenter in, uh, under his father, Joseph, his, his stepfather, if you will. 
Um, I won't have you turn over there. I'll just read this to you. But in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse number 5, there's a lot of unnamed, because there's no names given, but they, called, they were called artificers, artificers. They were fabricators, craftsmen, tradesmen, um, engravers, masons, smiths that labored in the building of the temple. Had they not developed those gifts and those abilities, they wouldn't have been able to do those to the specifications that God wanted. First Chronicles 29 and verse 5, the, the gold for the things of gold, the silver for the things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of the artificers, who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. I mean, that's a great question, right? God gave you those abilities. Are you willing to give those back to the Lord? And in, in addition to all of these creative gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. There are, there are a lot of other areas when it comes to computer skills and photography and graphic design and, and drawing and, I mean, so many other things. And, I mean, when we're talking about, you know, developing creative gifts, there are so many different things that, especially in today's world, are helpful for those things. Um, and if, you know, if you notice that, that somebody has an ability in computer design, develop that. You know, website design. That's, I mean, that's a huge problem with a lot of churches across the country. Their websites are terrible. You ever, you ever seen a, you know, church websites? I mean, you're lucky if it's, if it's updated within the last two years, you know, and it looks like it came from the 1995 Windows, you know, uh, Windows computer. I mean, it, most of them are, are just bad, to be quite honest, you know. So to develop those abilities to be able to do these things to help out. Music, drama, video production, I mean, so many things that, that uh, would be helpful in God's service that are all part of this creative design. But we ought to teach them that any talents that they have are gifts that should be stewarded for God's glory. Look, you find somebody that's great at drawing, guess who gave them that ability? God gave it to them. Yeah, they should be developing it, but even as they develop it, who allows them to have a greater ability to draw? God does, you know? And so number one, that, that gift ought to be going back to God. But number two, we don't have anything to brag about, you know? Yes, I'm doing what I can to give my service back to God, but he's the one that gives me the abilities in the first place, right? So, uh, you know, I know that, that what happens, and, and this, I think, happened more in uh, fundamental circles, uh, more, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago than it does now. But, you know, somebody starts to do something that they're good at and, and we tell them that they're getting a big head and they need to stop, you know. That's not developing that gift. That, that's, that's, that's stifling something that they could be using for God's service. And, yes, we need to make sure they don't get proud about it and all of those other things. But we also need to make sure that we're developing those things. And if they're doing it and using it for God's glory, encourage them in those things, you know. Man, that looks great. You might be able to use that for... Fill in the blank for what they can use it for in God's service and encourage them to continue using it for those things. So uh, we can develop our child's gifts when it comes to creative gifts, but also physical abilities. Now we go to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And we're just going to look at a couple of things that we looked at the last time, um, last week. But physically speaking, Daniel was very strong. He had a strong constitution as an individual. And uh, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 4, that he was among other children in whom was no blemish. Now, that's a tremendous uh, physical feat. Children in whom was no blemish, meaning they didn't have, you know, uh, um, missing body parts, or they didn't have, you know, some kind of disease that held them back that they were born with. And look, if, if somebody's born with that, obviously God allowed them to be born with that in the first place, you know. Somebody's born with a weak heart or somebody's born with, 
you know, a propensity for diabetes or something like that. I mean, those things happen. People are born that way. Uh, but Daniel, in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 12, made personal choices to take care of his health. Uh, in verse number 8, it said that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. But in verse number 12, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. That's, that was a, a specific diet choice that Daniel made. Health is a funny thing because some people obsess about it. Uh, they bring it almost to the point of idolatry and the way that they obsess about the way that they look and about the way that they're healthy and all of those kind of things. But then there are people on the other side who go completely to the opposite point where they're really, you know, idolizing obesity and the food and everything else that they're eating, you know. Uh, so you can, you, can, you can err on both sides, but... You know, some people have diseases and weaknesses that will never allow them to be a picture of health. But as much as is possible, we ought to make choices that will help our children be healthy. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says what? You remember? Our bodies are not our own. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. And we apply that to so many things. I mean, we apply that to smoking and drinking and, and drugs and all of that kind of stuff because our bodies are not ours but we ought to do what we can to help our children take care of their bodies. Um, statistics, and, and this is kind of an old statistic, but statistics tell us that nearly one in four Americans are overweight or obese by the time they enter grade school. From 1999 to 2008, youth with diabetes or prediabetes increased from 9% to 23%. It's a very concerning trend if you think about it. Uh, I mean, okay, it's one thing for somebody that's, that's getting older to, to develop diabetes. I mean, you've had years and years and years and years to develop it, Brother Bill. No donuts, right? But, um, I mean, for this to be happening in children, that is only diet choices that, that causes those things for the most part. And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this across the board because there are things that, uh, that happen that cause these things. But I came across this, and, and these are very... Um, um, self-explanatory, they're very obvious things, but four preventative measures that can make significant differences when it comes to our health and our children's health, and specifically our children, but uh, number one is no soda. That's one of the things that they suggest, and of course, you know, just that is one thing I'm telling you that always throws my diet off anytime I ever try to go on a diet. If I stop drinking, I don't call it soda, I call it pop, so that's what I'm going to call it. If I stop drinking pop, then I'd tell you one thing, I drop weight like you wouldn't believe, but it's so good, so good. But then, you know, all right, I'll have a little one here or there, and the next thing you know, I'm back to drinking it pretty regularly again, and next thing you know, I start adding pounds and everything else. That's one thing that they say is, that makes a, uh, a huge difference. Of course, a better diet when it comes to improving your child's diet you can uh, eliminate fast food, add vegetables. Those are great things to help with. Regular exercise. And I tell you, this is one of the problems with our kids today is that they sit in the house playing video games. They never get outside. You know, they sit in school all day. Then the first thing they do after they ride the bus sitting down all the way home is walk in the house and sit down on the couch and play video games till midnight. You know, how do you think that that's helping their health? It's not. They need to get outside, play, play, play sports, you know, run around outside, whatever. Doctors actually recommend that children have at least 60 minutes of physical activity every day. 60 minutes. Most kids are not even getting 60 seconds worth of physical activity every day. 
unless they're running from the couch to the refrigerator back and forth a bunch of times, right? Um, but this is funny because uh, once a year, the kids go for their, um, their physicals. And uh, the doctors, he always, I don't, I don't ever go to them, or not physicals, but I, yeah, I guess that's what it is, pretty much a physical. Uh, and so Becca always takes him over. They all three do theirs at the same time. And they, she always sits down with the doctor at the end to kind of go over the results and stuff like that. And the doctor said, do you live out in the country? And she said, yes. They said, I, I can always tell when kids live out in the country because they're always a whole lot stronger than kids that don't. They, they get outside, and I said, well, and Becca told them, well, they're always carrying wood and splitting wood and doing all this kind of stuff. But, and, you know, it's not a, a knock on kids that grow up in the city or something like that, but get them outside. And then, of course, here's another thing, and this, all of these things are things that are good for all of us, but more sleep. Um, they, the National Sleep Foundation says that kids need to get 9 to 11 hours of sleep a night. Most kids are not getting anywhere close to that. And, and this is, by the way, and maybe you've heard this, Karen, too, with, with school. You know, they're, they're wanting to, I mean, you think about these kids at, in, in uh, Jameson and Madison. They get on the school bus at like 7.05 in the morning. I'm like, even if you put your kid in bed at 8 o'clock, you know, they got to get up at 5.30, 6 o'clock to get ready, to get ready for school and all that kind of stuff, to be on the bus by 7. You know, so a lot of these school districts are actually talking about moving the, you know, the start date back to more like 10 o'clock because, here we are, you know, and then, and then especially by the time they get into middle school and stuff, they're doing sports after school, and, you know, then they get home and they have homework and all of this kind of stuff. Then they have to play video games. And so, you know, how, how do you think these teachers feel when the kids show up, they woke up at the last minute with very little sleep, they ate a donut on their way to school, and now here they are sitting in class hyperactive because they have a lack of sleep and an over, you know, overabundance of sugar in their diet, you know? Um, so... Those are things that, that help. But physical health has, has a direct bearing on the giftedness of children. And, of course, you know, sports, in the end, sports don't matter. But the more our kids can play sports, the more opportunity they have to develop character. And, and those things are great for those kind of things. And so uh, not to mention that when we keep our health up, we, we have no idea how many more years we will be able to serve God, you know, if we, and that's, honestly, that's one thing that pastors do very poorly at is, is taking care of their health. And I've seen so many pastors that are as wide as a truck that are going to get up and preach about all kinds of other things. But then, you know, the Bible is very, very clear that we ought to be taking care of our, our own physical health. And when we don't do that, we're hindering our ability to serve God in the later years of our life. And, and again, you can't, you can't tell when a disease is going to come on and, and stunt all of that stuff, and I, and I get it. But as much as we can, we ought to be trying to, to do what we can to keep ourselves healthy, and of course, especially our kids at the same time. And that is part of developing their natural gifts to be able to use that for God's service. The last one then, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, is academic growth. There are two institutions that God, for, that God ordained for the education of our children, and the first is the home, and the second is the church. Uh, it's not the church's responsibility to raise your children. It's not the school's responsibility to raise your children. Uh, I know if you ask teachers, Miss Karen, again, could probably vouch for this, that many people are like, okay, drop them off for school. They're yours. Teach them everything they need to know about life, right? And then we'll take them back home after you've taught them everything that they need to know. And it's great to be able to send them off to a Christian school. It's great to be able to, you know, have a church that has a school that can, you know, that can 
help their education, but the primary person that's responsible for their academic growth is the parents. And the church can help with that. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That is speaking directly to the family, right? Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, but in particular verse 20, this is, this is the great commission that's given to the church. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, right? So yes, we have the home and we have the church. But in light of those two verses and those two commands, I think parents have to be very aware of the humanistic teaching that's being taught in public schools. And when our kids are in the public school, they're being fed this stuff nonstop. And yes, we can, you know, we can, what did you learn at school today? Oh, I learned that the earth was created by a big bang billions of years ago. No, son, that's not the way it was. God actually created it. But, but can you imagine every single day after they come home having to undo everything that they learned? And so... I mean, obviously, there's a couple alternatives. We have the, you know, you could you could homeschool or you can put them in a Christian school. And if you have the ability to put them in a Christian school, you ought to do it. But if you don't, then homeschool them. That's a better alternative than than um, a lot, than having them in a in a public school where they're going to be taught everything that is anti-God and 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 where they are literally being, you know, where they're undoing everything that we are trying to teach them in the home. Right? We're trying to teach them about God and the Bible and about serving God and about living for Him and everything else. And then they go to a school where they're being taught the exact opposite of that. Maybe not by everything that's being said, although that has a lot to do with it, but by everything that they see, by everything that they hear, by all the influences that they have from the other kids who are there at school that are watching anything on television, listening to any kind of music that they want to. I mean, those things all have an influence on our children. So, Whatever, whatever venue you choose for your children's education, academics do matter. You can go back to Daniel. He was, he was um, it said that he excelled in, in, uh, in everything, but it says that he was skillful in wisdom and cunning in knowledge. He, the applied sciences, it says that he understood science. Uh, the science referred to here would be the various, you know, disciplines of knowledge when it comes to mathematics and uh, physical and biological sciences and language skills and history. Daniel wasn't born with that knowledge. So it's obvious that he was taught those things, and more than likely he was taught those things by his parents. And so some children, perhaps like Daniel, are just going to naturally excel in the academics, and we ought to encourage those things. Look, just because your kid is not, you know, the next Mr. Football or the next Mr. Basketball in America or something like that doesn't mean, oh, my kid's failed, you know, he's not going to be anything. Man, if he's great at math or science or, uh, you know, any of those kind of things, develop those things. You don't know how. I mean, look, there's a lot of good Christian apps out there. You know, those are all developed basically scientifically and mathematically and everything else. And, and you just never know how God's going to be able to use those things. So develop those things. Um, you know, um, some kids are going to make the honor roll without even trying. Other kids are going to struggle to get B's and C's. You know, one thing in particular for a kid that does well in school is for them to relax and not do as, good, as, as well as they can because, well, I don't have to study and I can still get a B. Now, if they can get A's, they ought to be getting A's, and that's the responsibility of the parents to make sure that we're pushing them in those things. If the best they can do is a C, then they ought not to be getting D's and F's. They ought to be getting C's. Um, and parents, parents know that ability more than others. Teachers learn those things. Like I said, I taught for 10 years, and you knew who should be getting an A-plus and who 
you know, would be doing well to get a C plus, you know. You learn those kind of things, but we ought to be pushing them to do the best. In either case, it's our responsibility as parents to raise a child who's capable of doing whatever God may call them to do. And generally, that includes foundational skills and spelling and grammar and, oh, yeah, I never grew up learning how to spell either, so bless God, my son's probably not going to be very good at it either. No, we ought to be teaching them to do the best that they can. And you might not have had a great education. You might not have had that opportunity, but you know what you should be doing with your children, so let's make sure that we're doing it. Let's make sure we're giving them the best education that we can because the better their education, the better they are going to be able to serve God in any area, not just in the areas of education. But cultivating our children's gifts really boils down to three principles, discovering their gifts, developing those gifts, and then uh, deploying them to go into the world and serve God with those gifts. We are raising them and training them for God's service so that we can let them go, right? That's exactly what happened with Daniel. And when we help our children to figure out what their gifts are and then develop those gifts, then, we're, then we are giving them such an advantage to be able to serve God later on. And that's what our goal is, right? Look at Daniel. Like I said last week, the, uh, a lot of scholars think that Daniel was probably only about 14 years old when he was carried off into Babylon. And yet he had already developed and, and you know, honed all of those skills that he had. And that came from his parents because they were intentional about teaching him those skills. And, and he was able to use them in a great way. Look how Daniel was able to influence Babylon because of the abilities that he developed as a young person. We don't know what kind of temptations and challenges our children are going to face in their teen or adult lives, but um, we want to see God at work in their lives all through that way. And the way that it's going to happen is if we develop those God-given abilities. Daniel's parents could not have known that when he was born that as a young teenager he was going to be carried off into Babylon. They might have suspected it. They might have thought one day this could happen, but they never knew that. And they never knew that he was going to be taken from them. And by the way, Daniel never went back home. Daniel never went back to Israel. He stayed in Babylon for the entirety of his life. But they instilled in his heart the character and the loyalty to God that, 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 that guided his decisions while at the same time using and developing his gifts. And both aspects put Daniel, by chance, in the right place at the right time so that God could use him. And I jest when I say by chance because it's not just by chance. God needed Daniel... To, to have those abilities, he gave him those abilities, but he needed Daniel's parents to help him develop those abilities so that he could be in the right place at the right time to be used in the right way for God's glory. And that's exactly what we're trying to do with our children. So figure out what their abilities are. Figure out what their talents are in. And then let's do everything that we can to develop those talents and those abilities so that God can use them in a great way when they get old enough to be able to use those for God's service. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. Thank you for all these principles that we have in the Word of God. And there's so many things that we could have looked at tonight that we did not. But God, you've given us a tremendous responsibility to raise our children for you. Pray that you'd help us to do that to the best of our ability. And then where we fall short, God, I pray that you would uh, take, take up in those areas and, and uh, strengthen the areas where we are weak. And we need your help. We need your strength in everything that we do. But God, I pray that your, uh, your strength would be made perfect in our weakness and that we'd be able to 
Have kids that grow up to serve you in a great and mighty way. Thank you for what you do for us. I pray that you give us a good rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.